Have you thought this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll okay. never make any money doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. You're going to try and tell that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? All right. Well, your parents are moms, too. The savvy entrepreneur to the rescue. Congratulations. That really turned out well. I wish I had the courage to follow my dreams. Hello and welcome to all you entrepreneurs out there. You're listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Radio Show here on WLCB 101.5 FM. I'm your host, Doris Nagel, and I'm happy that you've joined me to listen in. Each week, I host guests from all facets of entrepreneurship and business. I answer questions from listeners, sometimes share a good resource or a trend I've seen. The idea is to inspire you entrepreneurs out there just a little and to share some tips and insights to make your journey a little bit easier and maybe a little bit more fun. Why am I doing this? Well, I've counseled startups and small businesses as part of my law and consulting practice over the past 30 years. And I've also started or helped start at least nine different businesses. I've seen a lot of mistakes and I myself have made lots of them. So my hope is to share some of those insights and find other people to share insights. Maybe you won't make the same mistakes or maybe you'll get some inspiration along the way. I welcome your comments, your questions, suggestions, You can email me about anything business or show related at dnagel at lakesradio.org. And now I promised you a guest and a guest you shall have. Joining me by phone today is Sean Hauser. And our topic today is making and receiving electronic payments. Sean knows what he's talking about because he's a commercial payment specialist with more than 20 years experience in various areas of banking. His background includes sales, implementation, product management, and relationship management. He focuses on identifying pain points in a customer's accounts payable process and helps them design dependable solutions to overcome their challenges. In addition to his card experience, He uses his technical project management background to explain and engineer the integration of various computers and accounting systems with payment solutions, as well as electronic invoicing platforms. And I have to tell you, I know him because he's also the station manager here at the station. He hosts a phenomenal show on Sunday nights from 6 to 8 p.m. called the Sunday Retreat. And I hope we'll get a chance to have him talk just a little bit about that show as well. Sean holds a master's degree in project management from Keller Graduate School and a BS in marketing and financial services from Wright State University. Although he's originally from Ohio, he lives in Lake Villa. Sean, thanks so much for being on the show today. Welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur. Hey, Doris. It's great to be on your show, and I'm looking forward to a pretty engaging conversation. Me too. Me too. Because, you know, as we talked offline, I have struggled with trying to pay vendors from time to time electronically and even receiving payments from some clients. So I'm guessing there's probably other 
small businesses out there that are also struggling, or maybe even if you're not struggling, you found a solution, but maybe it's not the best one for your business, or maybe it was great before, but no longer is the right solution. First, let's start out by talking just briefly about what you do. So as you mentioned in my uh, biography there, I uh, work with a number of clients. So they could be large corporations and they could be one and two people organizations. A lot of the companies I seem to run into were started as a sole proprietorship and then after, you know, gaining some success and growing. So a lot of times they have the same problems that you just mentioned. Okay, so when we started out and we had to make payments and we had to receive payments, we might get a check. Okay, and then that's that's a pretty common payment method these days. About 50% of business payments to suppliers or payments to consultants are made by check. So this that's, is the digital that's, era. That's, that's remarkable. But then again, I have I was telling you before the show about a client who wanted to pay me by credit card or electronically. And I said, mm-hmm. yeah, I got this, I got that. Yeah, we don't use this. And they said, well, how do you normally get paid? I said, check, you know. Mm -hmm. I think they Mm -hmm. thought I was from Mars, but there's apparently out there. It's it's kind of the era of convenience. So a lot of folks, when they want to pay, they might go to their mobile phone or they might go to an app like Zelle or Pop Money or PayPal or Venmo, and they may make payments that way because that's how they exchange money maybe with friends or other business partners. And so that's kind of a familiar thing. And if your business isn't normally dealing in those kind of transfers, you might go back to say, well, how about a check? And they might see that as kind of archaic or it might require some, you know, I have to go get the checkbook. I have to write the check. I have to mail it to you. And they might see that as a, they might see that as too much work. You know what I mean? Well, not only too much work, but it was very clear from this client's perspective that they thought I was like some sort of dinosaur because it was it was very obvious they did not pay any of their vendors via check. And that's kind of an aspirational goal to be all electronic. So when you ask me what I do is I'll sit down and talk to these different companies and we'll talk about how you pay your bills. And a lot of folks, like I said, will come out and say, I pay by check. A few people I'll pay with an ACH. The rest, I will maybe use a credit card, such as like a purchasing card or a travel card, or maybe they have a small business card, and they'll make payments that way. And when they talk about it, they talk about, well, I go into my my accounting system, or I, you know, I go when I do the payments, I first I write out all of my checks, and then to send ACH payments, I may have to log on to my bank and request an ACH or a wire payment. So they may be what we call, they're kind of very manual. There may be others that have talked to a bank and they've been given a payment system or platform. And a lot of times it's just a different website they log in and they can enter their vendor information. And perhaps that bank will send a check to that vendor. If they have ACH payment instructions for that vendor, they may send the money that way. There are some, and some of the platforms I've worked on, can send a credit card payment to a vendor to make a payment. Okay, i got to stop you because 
I do not know for sure if all of our listeners are completely tracking with all the different options you've talked about. So let's, if you don't mind, let's rewind just a bit and talk about Mm -hmm. some of the basic platforms. I think I'm hoping most people know what a check is. You have a checkbook, Mm -hmm. you write a check, or maybe it's electronically printed, but it's a hard piece of paper that you take to the bank and stick in the machine or hand to a teller or Maybe if you're a little Mm -hmm. more savvy, you take a picture of and use your bank app that way. Now, Mm -hmm. you mentioned ACH transfer. What exactly Mm -hmm. is that? So it's an acronym that means automated clearinghouse. So you were just explaining what a check is, right? So when you write out a piece of paper, you put pay to the order of the savvy entrepreneur, you fill out the amount and the date, and then you sign it, and down across the bottom, you'll see a number, a bunch of numbers, okay? Mm-hmm. And what those numbers are, they call them MICR, and it's just a format of numbering that can be read by a machine, okay? So what those do is identify your bank by a routing number, right. and then they identify your account number, right. and then your check number's in there as well. And when checks were the only payment method available, With the exceptional wire transfers, what would happen is, and it still works this way today, you write a check, you take it to a bank, and what the bank does is they run that through a reader, which creates a electronic message, let's just call it that, and it sends it through a computer system called the automated clearinghouse system, and that's how checks would clear. So every bank would send the checks they received overnight through the Fed. And then the Fed would strip out the banks, you know, the payments to Bank A and Bank B and Bank C, and then would credit the money there, okay? So they were actually transferring money between banks, okay? They were paying the the bank of the person that received the check and taking the money out of the account of the person who wrote the check. Well, ACH is using that same system but you don't need a piece of paper to do it. It's an electronic transfer of funds where you're still including all the details, but you're not having to issue a piece of paper to do it. Yeah, so I have, for example, a client that pays me quarterly and they had asked for my bank account information and I never get Mm -hmm. a check from them. What I get is a notification of payment that Mm -hmm. just says, we paid you, a bazillion dollars. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that I'm assuming is an ACH transfer. That's how they did that, probably. It has a lot of names, but you're right. Okay. It has to go through a network, which is which is the ACH uh, network. Okay. So what happened is they entered an order into their bank to pay this set of instructions. So this account number and this bank routing number and the dollar amount. And what happened is, is that bank then sent that transfer to the ACH network, and then it credited your account and debited their checking account or savings account, whatever they paid you yeah. for. Yeah. And then the advice is just telling you, Doris, you got paid. Right? And, that, and that works pretty smoothly. Now, you mm-hmm. also mentioned wire transfers, and I think maybe if there's a payment term that people understand almost as well as checks, it's wire transfer. But just to be sure, let's talk about what that is. Sure. A wire transfer works very similar to an ACH. It's one bank transferring money through 
of the Federal Reserve System to another bank. Okay, so it, it runs um, very similar to an ACH payment. Now, the difference between the two is ACH payments will typically process overnight. A wire payment, you may be able to receive your funds and withdraw them in the same day. So the reason why you're wiring is you're looking for speed or perhaps the amount that you're paying. For instance, if I'm going to send you, Doris, you know, $38 because, because I owe you uh, a drafting fee for a document, $38 would probably be sent by ACH. But if I were sending you maybe fifty dollars or $100,000, I'm going to use that wire system because the payment amount is bigger, so maybe I'm more concerned of security and I'm more secure or, or concerned, I should say, that the money's going to get there and I want that extra confirmation. So I may uh, pay to send a wire I was or you say, need that money I, today. Because anytime I've gone to the bank and said I want a wire transfer, they usually want to charge me like 40 or $50 or more. Mm-hmm. Whereas my ACH transfer from the vendor I mentioned, I don't get charged at all for that. No, and they probably pay they probably pay for the service of sending you that ACH. That's typically how it'll work. Okay. On the systems that I work on today, um, we will charge the person sending the ACH payment a nominal fee. Interesting. And that's maybe less that- than a dollar. Depends on. It depends on it. You are on the platforms I maintain. It's less than a dollar, but it saves them. So I'm checking though. Are there fees associated? Is that so? Banks make their money on your monthly business checking account fee, or so each your checks, or how does that work? Sure. So let's let's talk about each of the three payments that we just talked about. Okay. So for a check. Let's take it from the perspective of I'm the business owner. I'm going to pay somebody. If I pay them by check and I write the check on my account and I go pay a vendor or a supplier with that, I may pay a a fee for clearing that check. Okay. If I'm sending an ACH, I may pay a fee for sending that ACH. And with a wire, there's a fee as well, like you said, 40 or $50. But each time I pay using one of those items, I'll get charged for the amount of that payment, if you will. Okay. So there's a fee for what they call clearing the payment, which is when they take the money out of your account and process your check order or send the money to your payee's bank through ACH or wire. Because obviously banks are in business to make money. And so they have to make their money somehow. There's a couple other things that you may see, like um, you may see a monthly charge for having a checking account. You spoke of the radio station that we're both members of. Since we're a nonprofit, we don't have to pay a monthly maintenance fee. But if we were a for-profit business, I think the fee was um, $15 a month just for having a checking account. So there could be other fees and they differ between every bank is a little bit different on how they charge for that. And you may find that if you're a larger business and you make a lot of payments and you also have loans and deposits and and other business going with them, you may find your fees are less or they're discounted because they're looking at you as one big relationship and you've Mm -hmm. got all these different things that they can make money on. So they may offer you a discounted rate on some or even all services. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so back to where you were talking about before mm-hmm. I stopped you and made you go way back. Okay. You were mentioning some of the payment platforms that probably a lot of people have heard of, maybe they use. Venmo, mm-hmm. uh, PayPal, Chase Pay. I think somebody told me they use Foursquare, Zelle. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's, I'm sure there's a bunch. So how do those work? Are they all the same or are they different? If you look at some of the systems like Venmo and PayPal and Foursquare, within banking, we're seeing the emergence and the growing importance of what they call fintech firms or financial technology firms. So think about something like buying and selling stocks. You know, 50 years ago, we had a broker, we called him at his office, and he placed an order for us, and that's how we bought and sold stock. And then all of the online brokerages came on the scene about, oh, let's say about mid-80s to early 90s, right? And they started giving you the opportunity to go to a website, right, and Mm -hmm. buy and sell stock. Well... Payments has gone that route as well, where there's these firms, and it's usually somebody who has a problem, okay, and they're looking for a way to solve it. Now, we've talked about how banks transfer money, okay, and they've looked at that, and they said, well, that's great, but maybe I don't have time to go to the bank or log into the site or call an agent on the phone to make a payment for me. I wish I had something here on my phone. And then you see companies like Venmo, Pop Money, Zelle, PayPal PayPal, pop up because they've created a way for people to make payments. So let's talk about PayPal, okay, because that one's pretty well known. Mm -hmm. And PayPal, the way it works is is you log into a a PayPal site. And if you're going to make a payment, you're either going to have it tied up to a bank account or maybe a credit card. And when you pay money, you can tell PayPal, I want you to take this money out of my account, or I want you to debit my credit card, or perhaps I want you to use a line of credit, because PayPal is now in the credit business, that you can take that money out of my line of credit and pay that vendor. Now, what they'll do is you usually put in a mobile phone number, or you put in an email address, and that person will be notified that they got paid money, And that money will then show up in their account. Well, sometimes it happens instantaneously. And other times it may take overnight, just depending on what platform. They're all a little bit different. But you'll probably be surprised to hear that a lot of those are just going over that ACH network that we talked about a few minutes ago. Well, the interesting part, though, is PayPal. I mean, my issue with PayPal, when I've tried to pay a vendor, He said, well, you know, pay me via PayPal. Here's my PayPal account. And then he was mad because because I tried to send him $3,000 and he only got like $2,850 or something or $2,900. So what we're we're talking about, well, you didn't. You paid him $3,000, but to accept that payment, PayPal and, and these other services have a fee that they charge. Some of them can be as simple as maybe a 95 cent fee or a dollar fee to transfer the money. Others, when they're paying the other party, if it's an individual, it may be a very small fee. But if they're paying a business or something like that, they're going to pay 
it's it's called interchange, but it, they're paying for the capability to accept payments. It's kind of like how credit cards work, and we yeah. haven't talked about those. Okay. No, but I'm just thinking too of you know when I've sold stuff on eBay, the fees that PayPal takes. I I want to say like three percent, three point five percent or something. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty it's high. A- And it depends. Okay, so you're going to find that depending on whichever one of these services you choose, you're going to pay a percentage to receive that money. Now, when you look at person to person, P to P payments, they call it person to person. Most payments are you and I go out to dinner, we agree to go Dutch, and I have to send you half the check. They may only charge me 90 cents or a dollar or whatever it is, something nominal to give you the the payment for half the check. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about business to business payments, there may be that concept of, you know, when you paid that person 3000 and he only got $150, he got $150 less, that could be his service fee. Well, I, I learned the hard way though, that you really do need to look at the various fees that are involved because depending on the kind of transaction you're talking about, but I'm guessing that all the payment platforms you've talked about have some sort of fees built in somehow. So when we talk about, you know, I've used PayPal. Okay, I've purchased things on eBay. I know they pay a fee, but I think from the business owner's perspective, what you have to think about is the days of I'll go do the work and you give me a check are kind of drawing to an end or they're be- it's becoming less of important or maybe a less used payment process because a check requires a great amount of faith that if I write you a check and you go to your bank and deposit it, that the money will be there. Now that may take four, five, six days. Let's say you would have sent that vendor the check in the mail. Mm-hmm. Maybe it takes three, four days in the mail. And then when they receive it, they've got to open the check. They've got to write up a deposit ticket and they've got to take it down to the bank to deposit it. That could be five or six days. Now, if there was an electronic way that I could get that money and I could get it faster, then you start doing the cost versus time trade-off and decide, you know, if I could receive an electronic payment and I might only be charged 1%, percent of 3,000, that's what $30, but that might be worth it to me to get my money faster than if I had to wait a week to get my money. Maybe I need that money right now because, you know, I don't have big cash flow or something like that. I need that cash. I think there's a convenience piece to this too that's pretty huge. I mean, I don't know the statistic, but there are bunches of them out there if you Google it on the number of purchase transactions and other kinds of transactions that people are doing via their Mm -hmm. mobile device. Mm -hmm. So it's, you're on your mobile device, you're sending emails, you're texting and, you know, in between paying a vendor, you know, and so Mm -hmm. it's just easy because you don't have to go find a checkbook. You don't have to generate a check. It's just part of your normal routine. I think the convenience piece is probably getting to be pretty huge. That's huge when you're making the payment, okay? Because if I need to pay you, I could go to my phone and I pay my wife when I owe her money or, or I'm, you know, I need to give her some money for whatever reason or she's going to yep. give me money for whatever you reason. Pay, you pay we up we now. use Zelle. 
We use okay. Zelle. We sit yeah. two floors from each other in our offices during the day, and then she'll send me money via Zelle, and that's how I get my money. Huh. And, you know, the thing is, I could go get her a check, and I've got a checkbook right here next to me. I could write out a check, walk right. upstairs and give her the check, but then she's either got to take a picture with her phone, deposit it in her account, wait for the money to transfer, or I can put that money in her email in seconds. So if you think about it, it's a convenience thing. Now, yeah. if you're selling to people and you're offering a service or you're making a product and you're selling it to people, think about it if you were to have a website, Doris, and you were selling something on that website, right? And that's your business. And you tell people, oh, look, you can come to our website, you can get the size, the colors, the quantity, as many as you want, blah, 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 blah. Great. And then you go to checkout and it says, awesome. To make a payment, send a check to this P.O. box. Bye-bye. They're going to abandon that sale. So yeah. it becomes not only convenience for you to make a payment, but you have to think about the folks that are buying things from you. Now, if you're making hand-carved furniture and it's a, you know, it's a crafted and it's, and it's a small, you know, market, but it's very lucrative, check might still work. Okay. They may want you to send them a a check as a deposit before they do it, but they're not going to send it until you send that final check or maybe an ACH the money to them. Right. But I've got amazon.com open on my computer a lot and I buy things and I can go there and pay with my credit card and it's done. (laughs) You have to think about what your suppliers are going to accept from you in a payment. And then you have to think about what your customers are going to want to give you. I had a guy put a water heater in and I I gave him cash. Yeah. And I had another guy come out and power wash my deck. I gave him a check. Yeah. Okay. And that's what he wanted. And for that type of service, it made sense to pay by check. You know, it's funny you mentioned cash. I mean, we haven't talked about good old cash that obviously Mm -hmm. some stuff still happens that way. But I don't know about you, but I find more and more. I don't carry much cash on me. And I have a couple of vendors that I work with that want to be paid in cash. And I've found myself more than a couple of times saying, I I don't have cash on me. You got to wait till Mm -hmm. next week when I go to the bank. And then I have to remember to go get some cash and give it to them, which is a pain. And I wish they would stop making me pay in cash, you know? Mm -hmm. No, and cash, cash is one of those things where, uh, you know, I had a gentleman come and do the water heater for me and he had to buy the unit and, you know, it's not his business, right? He's he's helping me out. So I'm paying him back for the purchase of the unit. I'm giving him a couple of hundred bucks for doing the work, right? Mm-hmm. So cash made sense there, okay? But to send cash through the mail, that's a big yeah. risk. So a check probably makes more sense, but even checks get lost in the mail or there's check fraud, So they might look at ACH. That might be an easy way to do it because you go to your bank and you generate that payment or you go to your, a lot of business accounting software like QuickBooks or Wave or, you know, a lot of the bank systems that they put out their own platforms. They have the ways to generate a check right there or an ACH right there. So it makes it easy for the person to pay that bill. I got to ask you a question, though, on ACH. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when people have said, I'll pay you via ACH, they have a form and mm-hmm. they want me to fill out my routing information on my bank account so they can make the mm-hmm. transfer. Is there a risk mm-hmm. of doing that? 
Well, if somebody's going to hold your account information, there's requirements for them to be able to protect that data. And if they were to be in breach, in other words, somebody got into their accounting or they got into their systems and they saw an Excel file full of routing numbers and and, and account numbers, and they don't have necessarily the controls in, in that scenario, they probably don't, they, they could be liable and they could be fined. So what they want you to do when you fill out that form and you fill out your bank's routing number and your account number and they want you to sign it and there's probably a statement in there that says, I certify that this is my banking information and that I'm authorized to allow you to send me money or for us to debit your account for that money. And they're doing that because they want they want some sort of protection or assurance that that is your account number. And they're doing that to document it. Other systems, they may tell you, okay, Doris, we're all set up here. Just go out to our website and you can key in your payment information. And some systems will take an ACH and other ones, you'll see them, they want a credit card. Okay. Well, with lots more to talk about, I'm going to ask you to hold your thought there for a second, Sean. We need to take a quick break for station identification and a word from a few of our sponsors, but we'll be right back. This is Doris Nagel. And you're listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. We're here today chatting with Sean Hauser, who's a commercial credit specialist, and he's joined the show this week to share some of the ins and outs of electronic payments. You know, Sean, before the break, we were talking about some of the different platforms that people are increasingly using, like Mm -hmm. Venmo and PayPal, Zelle, Foursquare. And I think we talked a little bit about how some of them work. So are they all the same pretty much, or are there some basic differences between these major kinds of platforms? So I think there's a lot of commonality across them, okay? So when you look at PayPal or Venmo or Foursquare, there's a uh, kind of a theme or a thread connecting buyers to sellers or people that owe money to the people they need to pay. So they're they're fairly common in that respect. Where they're different is the fee structure because there will be different fees. You may also notice that, like I talked before the break about using PayPal to make an international payment, but not every one of these services will allow you to make international payments. So that's something you got to look for. And then, you know, if you think about it, though, they're very similar, but there are distinct differences. And and what you'll find is that PayPal is available to everybody, and so is Venmo. And you go to their website, you download their app onto your phone, you register, create an account, you hook it up to a bank account or a credit card, and you can start paying. Certain systems like Zelle or Pop Money is another one that's out there. Those are bank systems. So in the case of Zelle, Zelle was created by uh, several financial institutions, okay? So they're watching companies like Venmo and PayPal grow, and they're thinking, we can do this. They're, they're, they're taking the money out of our accounts. Let's find a way to share between Zelle member institutions. And so we'll, we'll go, instead of each one of us trying to design our own and better mousetrap, Let's all of us pool our resources and let's create one app and then they share it. And what you'll see is Zelle has grown from those initial institutions to now credit unions will use it. 
And a number of financial institutions will add themselves to that network because it's facilitating payments for people and it's available through your bank website. Well, Um, what I learned the hard way, though, is so my landlord wanted to be paid via Zelle, but mm -hmm. my bank wasn't part of the network. So I was like, yeah, I don't know. And when I went to them and said, how can I use Zelle to pay my landlord? They're like, yeah, I don't know. We don't know. (laughs) So so that was a non-start. Uh, you know what? I've actually gotten people into their first Zelle payment, too. So I had a, uh, a a person that was doing some painting work for me, and I used to write him a check. And then sometimes I'd give him cash, depending on how big the job was. You know, if it was $100, I might have cash around, and I'd give it to him. But like you, I don't carry a lot of cash. So I would write him a check, and they were okay with it. And then one day, it was mm, three or $400. And I said, do you take Zelle? And he says, no, what's that? And I said, go look at your bank and see if they accept Zelle payments. And sure enough, they did take Zelle payments. He just had to register his account. And I paid him by Zelle for the first time. He's like, wow, I really like this. Ah. And since it was a person-to-person payment, he didn't pay much of a fee. Like I said, I pay my wife. You know, when I'm sharing money, she has her, her an account and I have an account and then we have the house account and we have to move money back and forth. Sometimes it's easier just to send it by Zelle yeah. or Pop Money is another one I've used. Hmm. Well, you know, I found, though, that a lot of times businesses have their preferred platform, but sure. it may or may not match with what you have. For example, I I use PayPal. I use Venmo. But I had a customer who didn't want to pay me either of those ways. They wanted to pay me via credit card. And so I went back to my bank and I said, how do I do that? And they said, oh, well, you'll have to set up a merchant card and there'll be these Mm -hmm. fees. And I was like, yeah, okay. so you want to pay me that way. But that doesn't sound so hot, you know, for me. Well, so we haven't really talked about credit card and how those work, but And you experienced it firsthand. So in the credit card industry, there are issuers and there are acceptors. So in the case of your consulting practice, you may have a small business or a corporate credit card with your bank. So they issued you the card. Mm -hmm. Now, when you take that number or that card to a business and you use that card for payment, they have to have an accepting institution, which is, as you found out, is a bank that has set you up with the process and the capabilities to accept credit cards. So, you know, when you go into a store and they have those little black card readers on their mm-hmm. on their counter, mm-hmm. or they may have one on their computer. So mm-hmm. what would happen is you take your card and you go to that vendor and they have one of those devices. Well, when they swipe your card, they're reading the number and the information off of the card and that goes to their bank, then the bank determines which type of card is, if it's Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express, then they go to that network. So Visa has a network, American Express, Discover, MasterCard, I forgot them. And they run that transaction across that network. So what happens is when that transaction settles, your card now reflects the transaction, okay? So it's added to your credit balance. And then they credit the person that you made the purchase from. They credit their, what they call settlement account, and they've gotten paid minus a small processing fee, which is called interchange. 
So interchange is what the vendor or the store or the consultant or the person that's, that's accepting the card, it's the cost that they pay for accepting payments via the, a credit card network. Okay, and that can vary depending on which network they're using and the bank they go to that provides them the credit card processing services. Well, but I also will add, and this ties into my question, it depends on the number of transactions. So if you're Mm -hmm. a restaurant business and you you know people are going to be paying you by credit card all the time, day in and day out, or your store at the mall, you have to be able to take credit cards because that's how people are going to pay you. And Mm -hmm. the number of transactions that you do will make it definitely worthwhile. But Mm-hmm. I only had this one customer that wanted to pay me via credit card and mm-hmm. the fees that I was getting quoted were pretty significant for one little transaction, you know, and, you know, it was interesting. So there's the transactions, but I mentioned this friend of mine that had Foursquare and he had this nifty little machine and was taking for mm-hmm. his organization, taking credit card payments. And Mm -hmm. I said, oh, that's really slick. And he said, yeah, it ought to be. It cost me like $300 a year to rent or something. You know, so I get the sense there's these fees. You might pay a a fee for the equipment. Maybe that's how it's set up. Maybe you pay a fee for the merchant account. But if you're just doing a one-off payment, it sounds super simple to say, can I just pay you via credit card? But it's not super simple at all, I don't think. Well, and in this case, if you're not set up to accept credit cards, it's not like you can go to the bank like you would with a check and say, I got this guy that gave me these card numbers. Can can I get my money? Right. Um, it requires you to be a participant on the network. So you have to go to your bank because they're going to connect you with the Visa, MasterCard, Discover, or, well, Discover and American Express are a little bit different because although sometimes they are issued by a bank, they're kind of considered a closed network, which is probably outside the scope of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, but, probably. Um, but let's just stick to Visa and MasterCard. So the issuers are giving out the credit cards to the businesses or the individuals, and then the acceptors are receiving the payments and, and handling the transaction between the card that they're, that, that's making the payment and that merchant settlement account, which is going to receive the cash from that payment. And they pay that interchange. So for you to take one payment, it's probably not worth it for you to set up a credit card acceptance program. However, no, like you mentioned, month, there was a monthly fee. To do sure. it, and it was pretty significant. Which well, you know, if I did a lot of transactions, that might be worth it. Makes it sense. To do, but well, and you're right because if it was, if you let's say your monthly fee was what fifty dollars, and then you were going to pay anywhere between two and three percent of the transaction amount to process that payment. So if you're doing one, well. That could be, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 dollars. It's probably going to be more than that, but that's an expensive transaction. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't, that guy was only going to pay me like $500. Right. So that becomes an, that, you know, $500, you know, we're, we're talking maybe 20%, 10%, depending on the, all the fees all in. Okay. Right. And not to mention my time trying to figure out how to do it for one vendor. Sure. Sure. But then if you think about McDonald's, 
or some of these places that everybody pays with oh, a credit yeah. card or a debit card, you know, when you divide the amount or the cost of that payment across the number of payments they process, oh, it's a penny, it's two pennies. Yeah, right. It makes sense for them. And they'll lose a lot of sales if they don't do it. I'm sure, though, that they have factored in whatever those costs are when they price their products. Unlike me, yeah. you know, if my my client had said, I want to pay you by credit card, and then I could have looked into it and said, yeah, well, instead of charging you $500, i am going to have to charge you $580 for this. because." And that, that happens. So let's talk about your small business owner, right? And you're setting up business. And you may use a small business credit card to buy things from other suppliers and other vendors, Office Max or the guy that sells you a copier or whatever, okay? Yeah. And you're paying those people with your credit card. Well, you buy something for $500 and maybe that, maybe that person gets $485 as a result of making that sale. You're absolutely right that if they've done their homework, they've baked in the cost of taking a credit card or a check. They've baked it into the cost of goods sold. So it's, it's built in. However, what we see a lot of times, and not necessarily in the type of market segment where I am, but what you'll see is a lot of people is like, all right, I've, I've set up my business. I've got a website and I want to start taking payments. So it'd be really cool to be able to take credit cards and it'd be really cool to be able to, to set up a, maybe a link to PayPal and uh -huh. it'd be really cool to set up another service. Well, if you're not thinking of those things in the terms of what is it going to cost you to process payments through those, you could get a shock. And I'll tell you a, a story from, you know, I'm working with a large commercial customer and they're paying a supplier about $5,000 a month. And the guy says, yep, I'll take a credit card. Well, it was about two or three months later, he was looking at the settlement statement. So the statement that tells him how much he earned, and it shows those $5,000 payments coming in and the amount of fees he paid and what he was left with. And the guy called him up and he says, I can't take credit cards from you anymore. And he says, why not? And he says, because the cost is killing me. Yeah. Well, that guy didn't do his homework and bake the cost of those accepting those payment types into his costs. Well, and so. I, I want to tell a little story, too, about a business that I was involved in, one of the businesses that I helped start. And unfortunately, it's defunct. We didn't make it. But one of the mistakes mm -hmm. we made, and this is, you know, maybe a cautionary word for businesses that set up and invest a lot in setting up an e-commerce platform before mm -hmm. making sure that there's truly enough of a market to support the fees and other kinds of things that need to be involved, like making sure mm -hmm. your site is secure and you know, you're taking people's credit card payments. So you really need to have some of those kind of protections in place. And if you're just a little startup, nothing, those are pretty daunting. You know, I think I was telling you before the show that this business, we were selling templates of various kinds, forms, mm -hmm. for make life easy for businesses. So we had it set up for e-commerce and the fees that we were paying both to make sure that we had website help to 
make sure all the payments went smoothly and that we had proper data security as well as the fees for mm-hmm. the service that was provided we didn't we didn't sell enough products to be able to afford it the fees basically ate us alive and we ended up shutting down so you know just a word of caution to businesses who use or are thinking about an e-commerce model it sounds super neat to have your e-store up there but think long and hard test the waters sharpen your pencil before you take the big plunge because if your business doesn't take off the way you think it's going to those fees will kill you to share a similar story with the radio station okay you and I are you and I are broadcasting on right now we will accept a credit card for payment for membership dues or to buy a sweatshirt or a hat and we will also accept donations via credit cards. And if you look at that, when you pay your dues, we're probably going to pay maybe $4.50. When somebody pays their dues, we'll pay, you know, our processing cost is right about $4.50. And that could be your profit margin in some businesses. Yeah, okay. You bet. And if you're not thinking about it, so that's just the cost of accepting the payment. Now, what you were talking about is when you're taking payments online and people are putting in their bank account numbers for a draft, you know, where they draft the money, it's an ACH, but if they're going to draft money out of your account or you're going to put in your credit card number, oh yeah, there's a number of standards that websites and uh, even businesses that are going to store that type of payment details need to meet and make sure that they're in compliance because if they're not, then it's almost opening the door that if there's a payment breach or something like that and there's an investigation or a lawsuit and they'll come in and the term I'll lay on you is PCI DSS compliance. It's an industry standard for credit cards. And they'll say, well, they weren't up to standard with PCI DSS compliance rules. It, it, your, your defenses are going to be taken a hit. And then if you look at well, well you need to have a secure website. side and you need yeah, to have something. this and that. Yeah, there's I a mean, cost to it. The mm-hmm. cost, and it'll put you out of business one way or the other, either the fees or if you do it right, or if you don't do it right, you could be put out of business pretty fast too. Well, and to your point, when you were pricing those templates, did you think about, okay, so I'm going to sell all these templates and every month I figure I'm going to sell 50 templates and I also have a cost of maintaining my website. I have to bake in the cost of taking payments by PayPal or Venmo or Zelle or whatever. And so you got to take all those, all those costs into account before you set the price of those templates. Right. And in some cases, if you factor that in, you're going to find if you do the market research you need to do, which was frankly another that was another big oops that we didn't do enough of. (laughs) We didn't sell enough of them, even at the price that we set Mm -hmm. it, even without factoring all that in, which, Mm -hmm. of course, we, we should have. You know, we've talked about a couple of these things and I talked about credit cards a minute ago and I talked about. ACH payments and check payments. And, you know, when you, when you deal in these different payment modes, if you will, you know, there's a trade-off, right? Checks are a little bit inexpensive, but a lot of folks don't figure in the cost of or the time value of their money not being in their account right away, et cetera. So it does take a little bit of time to just figure out not only 
do I want to have these really cool and up-to-date payment modes, but will they pay me back? And will I make enough money on the product I'm selling or the service I'm selling to be able to be able to recoup the costs? I mean, you like if you go to pay your electric bill, they'll charge you a convenience fee. Or when you renew your license plate with the state, they'll charge you a convenience fee. You know what that's covering? Their cost of processing that transaction. So. All right. Well, so uh, no wonder a lot of small businesses are confused, though, because there's a lot of mm-hmm. options and each one has its own little twist to it. What do you recommend for businesses when they're looking at this array? What are the things that they need to factor in and mm-hmm. how do they compare these so that they make the right decision for them? Sure. So my first piece of advice would be to pick a few payment types and stick with them, okay? Meaning if your business is, I'm trying to think of the right word because I don't want to sound like if your business is big enough, but no, I mean, if your business model and the product and your customers sustain accepting payments by credit card, you you may, you may take that leap, okay? Because the value that the value of getting your money sooner there's not a check to deposit you don't have to give out your bank account information in order to receive a payment etc the security of it may provide you um with you know enough benefit to justify the the interchange cost you're going to pay so now you look at something like checks you're going to have a checkbook so if you're a business and you're going to make payments to somebody you start with a checkbook then you add something like maybe ACH payments. And again, if your business model is such that you need to have credit cards, such as if you're an online website and that's your interface with your customers, they're going to expect a credit card or the ability to pay by credit card or one of these other payment platforms such as PayPal or Venmo. And then once you, once you evaluate, shop, look around because what you may find is I want to set up to take credit cards. So you go to your local bank and you say, look, I want to process credit cards and they quote you a list of fees. Look to see what else is in that segment because you know, you've seen those little squares that people plug into the top of their cell phone. And then when you uh, pay Mm -hmm. them with credit card, they run it through that reader. Mm -hmm. That may provide them the ability to process credit cards. You just got to see what the fees are and compare them against the other offerings out there and see which one provides the best value. So it's not just the ability to process the card, but maybe they give you good reporting, or maybe they give you the ability to accumulate those funds and pay other people on their network, and they don't charge you as much of a cost when you do that. Look for those kind of features. And I suppose that depends on whether or not you're likely to see the person in person. So a restaurant, a store where you're selling shoes or clothes, they're Mm -hmm. probably going to pay you in person. A a remote service provider, that kind Mm -hmm. of option, if they're Mm -hmm. most of your clients, like most of mine, I I don't see them. And I just give you the number over the phone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess you could. So that's a thought, Mm -hmm. too. Now, what you'll find is, like, for if, if it's a credit card, they could give you the card number over the phone, or maybe with your website example, you could have a uh, web form. 
And a lot of your banks, if this is going to be a robust, you know, and a lot of business, if you're a hobbyist, probably card's not the way to go. But if the money is significant and you're going to be processing payments, a lot of times you can go to your bank and they have the ability for you to put their widget on your website. And when your customer clicks here to make payment, they're actually working with your bank. It's branded with, you know, your business and your information on it, but they're actually now transmitting their card information to your bank. And there's a service fee for that, but that's a way to do it. Okay. Interesting. So if you're face-to-face, checks work. Okay. Checks work. ACH, if you're going to be paying somebody a, a payment every month, Usually the processing fees for ACHs are usually lower when you factor in all the costs and maybe writing a check. So if that's something that you can set up through your bank, through your, you know, you log into your bank and you see your account with all your money and all your, your, your credit card bill on there. A lot of times banks have like a small business platform that'll have the ability to issue a check where you don't even write the check anymore. You type in who you want to pay and they send it out of a central processing uh, facility. It puts Very that slick. check in the mail and sends it. Wow. Yeah, we do that at the radio station. So when I go to pay our uh, rent every month, even though the place I'm paying is 20 feet across the parking lot, I send them a check from our bank every month. And, wow. I, and, I, and then I get charged for, oh, I don't know, 20 cents or whatever for issuing that check. But for me, it's worth it than trying to remember to bring the checkbook down to the station and write that payment. Absolutely. Well, Sean, we are, as I suspected, the hour is going to fly by. We are really almost out of time. Before (laughs) we wrap up, I want to circle back to your radio show and uh, do a little shameless plug. Tell the listeners just a little bit about it. I can do a shameful plug if you prefer, but uh, so my show is called The Sunday Retreat, and it's on Sunday nights. It's from 6 to 8 p.m can stream us at lakesradio.org. And uh, the music I play, it's a wide range of music from the 50s and the 60s all the way to today's music. And the idea is to have a couple more hours of fun on a Sunday night instead of starting to think about Monday morning and what I got to do when I get up tomorrow and I got to get the kids off to school and I got to go to work and I got a meeting. It's kind of a just a two-hour retreat to have a little bit more fun before you end your weekend and go back to work or go back to school. All right, folks. Well, you got to take a listen. Sunday nights from 6 to 8, Sean Hauser, the host of Sunday Retreat. So, Sean, i got to say thank you for being a great guest. I really appreciate your time and being patient to walk through some Sure. Some pretty, you know, some pretty technical stuff and explaining it very simply. So I really appreciate mm-hmm. you on the show. Sure. Maybe we do it again and we focus on one specific type of payment or maybe we even talk about, okay, now I got my business up and running and I'm processing payments. What are the things I got to think about? Yeah. Be glad to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the world is getting small. We didn't even really talk about some of the the additional challenges of payments internationally, which I think is a mm-hmm. pretty interesting topic in and of itself. Well, mm-hmm. again, thanks so much, Sean. Folks, you can listen to an on-demand recording podcast of today's show, along with other free information and resources for entrepreneurs. And to do that, you can find it at the Savvy Entrepreneur show page at lakesradio.org, or you can go to my consulting website, which is www 
www.globalocityservicesplural.com. Now be sure to join us next Saturday when we'll have another great guest on the show. So don't miss it. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneurship.